Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis I'm your host, this is MJ Network In memory of my sister, Marcia Joyce And this is going to be so much fun Because Julia Bernardi is back, and her life is turned upside down when the Reverend Roy, you're not going to like this guy, of the Prophet's Tabernacle, decides to take aim at him. And this book is so fantastic that I read it in two hours, not even, what can I say, just The Madness of Mercury, a Zodiac Mystery. So good morning and welcome back. I'm so glad you decided to do another interview. This is fun. Oh, it's great, Fran. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be back chatting with you. Yes, it is. And uh, I just gave away the last date in May, people. My shows are booked. But before I forget, because I don't have a broadcast tomorrow, Carly, happy birthday. She's going to be 20 tomorrow. And her famous song, Eat Your Heart Out, dropped on January 1st. So if you didn't download it, you should. And her video dropped on Friday. And she's my little rebel, but she's terrific, and the song is great. So happy birthday. She's turning 20. And now, tell us about Julia and how she decided to read charts and the research you did into astrology. I'd be afraid to have somebody read my chart. I don't even want to know what it's about. (laughs) Well, a lot of people get nervous about that. But uh, I first became interested in astrology uh, when I was still in college a long time ago. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, I was going through a particularly rough time. Um, my mother had died very suddenly. Um, my boyfriend at the time had been hit by a car. I mean, a whole bunch of things. He, he survived, um, and they were able to reconstruct his leg and his hip. Uh, but it was a, a really terrible time. Plus, I was a student. I was in Boston. It was a miserable winter. My dad, of course, was very depressed. And um, a friend of mine met an amateur astrologer at a party in Cambridge, and she said, we have to go see this woman. And I said, no, I don't really feel up to it. And she said, no, she's looking for people to practice on. Um, She's... (laughs) learning astrology and, you know, come with me. I don't want to go by myself. So uh, I got dragged along to meet this woman who was a lovely person. And um, she set up our charts and she looked at mine and and she said, oh, my God, you're going through a terrible time, aren't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, you could say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at the point where I just drop a rock on my head. And uh, she made predictions uh, for several months into the future of things that would happen, and Fran, she was absolutely correct. And at the time, I just oh, sort God, of shrugged it off and laughed um, and thought, oh, that's never going to happen, and it did. And after that, uh, I just said, I have to learn more about this. This is like a fascinating subject. So that's mm-hmm. what started it for me. And uh, 
I, I think at the time I had a professor in college who was teaching philosophy or uh, I, I can't even remember, but he was very interested in astrology and we used to chat about things. And I started to pick up books and learn whatever I could about it. So that's how I got started. And uh, when I decided to start writing a mystery series, I I wanted my protagonist to have a very unusual occupation. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided that she would be an astrologer. So that's how that happened. Well, I, you know something? I read so many books, too many sometimes, so that when I get something like yours that's different, like it doesn't put me, it, it makes me want to read it. I had no, a professor in college. I took. I was the only student that ever aced her class in philosophy. I don't know how. And I was the only student that ever got a hundred on her midterm. It drove her crazy. But she liked. Wonderful. She said I had some kind of ESP for some reason. And they used to test mm-hmm. me with cards and stuff like that. I go like, Why are you doing this to this poor child? But what can I say? So why did yeah. you decide to center this novel around one of my favorite planets, Mercury? Thank God it wasn't Mars. I love Mercury. Well, um, actually, the, the the title, which I didn't really think about too much at the time, The Madness of Mercury, is uh, it's a reference to uh, Mad as a Hatter. And if yeah. you recall the, the history of people that made hats, they poisoned themselves with mercury. Um, but mercury in astrology is uh, a symbol of how we think and how we speak and how we perceive. And mm-hmm. when uh, someone's... Mercury is is uh, I'll put it a diffi- has a difficult aspect in the birth chart. They tend to be very close-minded, very stubborn, maybe even obsessive. It all depends on what kind of a form it takes. And so the symbol of Mercury uh, crops up with everyone. If you recall, Julia's friend Dorothy doesn't like to hear reality. Uh, she just closes her mind. And uh, Reverend Roy, of course, is, is quote-unquote silver-tongued preacher, mercury-ruled. Uh, he can sway crowds with with his sermons, with his uh, events. And so everyone in there is sort of under the sway of a different version of mercury. So Julia decides to visit Evangel and Dorothy. Her niece. Why did she take Aunt Eunice with her? Well, Evandra and Eunice are the two elderly sisters who live in a monstrous house at the top of Telegraph Hill. And Dorothy is their niece. And Dorothy uh, has separated from her husband, which she's Mm -hmm. very heartbroken about, and has moved in with her aunt's temporarily to care for them because one of them, Evandra, has broken her hip and the other sister, Eunice, who um, I just love that character. Um, Eunice is a bit of an eccentric and Mm -hmm. Julia later discovers later on in the book that Eunice has fallen under the spell of the Reverend Roy. Mm. And the Reverend Roy is... Uh, very loosely based, but the, the the real person, historical person that I had in mind was Jim Jones during the years yeah. that he lived in San Francisco and set up his people's temple. And, Those people uh, scare me. Those people scare oh, me. Yeah. Like, forget it. 
Yeah, well, anybody who uses God to control others, the name yeah. of God to control others, I think is absolutely evil. And Jones, as it turned out, it's funny because I remember those years in San Francisco and how shocked we all were when the events played out in Guyana in the jungle when all those people died and when he yeah. murdered all those people. But that was another reference to Mercury, really, because why why would someone put their faith in someone like that? And and it's a subject that fascinates me, that people who will give up their autonomy over their own life to follow some guru like, like a Jones. Well, it's scary because some people need to believe in something, and even if it's the wrong thing, they, they decide to go the wrong way. They don't even realize it. They just need something to believe in which is really scary. He's very look scary. Look at today outside. Look at what's going on. They believe in whatever. So why yeah. did he go after her? Why did he go after Julia and her two friends, Gail and Cheryl? I was really worried well, about them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Julia was too. Um, yeah. Julia writes an astrological advice column for the Chronicle, for the newspaper, and she receives a letter one day. She answers a lot of letters, some of them, she can't answer them all, but she picks and chooses yeah. the best. And she receives a letter from a woman who's very concerned because her mother, the woman's mother, wants to join a church, but she's required mm. to turn over her life savings and mm. her property, her real estate, to this church in order to join. And uh, so Julia speaks out in her newspaper column very vehemently about about this so-called church, and uh, tells the woman to have them investigated and perhaps even hire a lawyer to protect her mother. Well, that's, that hits the newspapers, and um, Julia then becomes a target of the reverend and his army of the prophet. So they target, actually, they target her and anyone that they consider, quote-unquote, an abomination unto the Lord. In other words, someone who doesn't... Um, um, perhaps uh, gays, uh, liberal groups, anyone that doesn't agree with the reverend or follow the reverend becomes a target. So that includes Julia because she's spoken out against him, and then he moves on to target um, the occult um, arts mm. in San Francisco, the psychics, the mediums, the tarot card readers, astrologers, you name it, anyone that he perceives is a threat or who will speak out against him. And one of the things I learned when um, I went back to do a lot of research into the Jones years in San Francisco, Mm. and he um, was enormously uh, influential. People really believed in him, even uh, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter and Mayor Moscone, who of course later was assassinated. And um, uh, he had the police in his pockets he had the politicians and society people mm. he he really had enormous and, and people thought he was absolutely wonderful because he fed school children and opened soup kitchens and um you know started uh camps out in the woods for people and they all thought he was doing an incredible service to the community as a whole and then as time went on they started to see the cracks in the veneer it's, it's 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 frightening. It really is frightening. So. Oh yeah. Well, any um, any sort he, of cult he made threats and everything too. And then the police thought he was wonderful. I mean, they yeah. were blindsided completely. 
What is, they yep. thought he was positive for the community, right? And then he made threats against people. And when Julia brought it to their attention, they, they didn't they took it like, no, that's not true. Well, you know, look at what we've just observed recently on the news. Um, yeah. On January 6th, there were military people yeah. who considered themselves patriots who didn't have a problem with, you know, breaking the law. That's true. true. Yeah. So go figure. I mean, you just never know how people's heads are put together or uh, what motivates them or why they thought that this was going to be okay and they could get away with it. Well, wait till Thursday at 10 o'clock when I take it on with an FBI agent. We're going to talk about exactly that. Oh, who is that, friend? Yeah. Who's your guest? I, I, was, I was asked to do it. And we're going to talk about what went wrong, what should have happened, who's responsible, mm. and if anybody's paying the price, and what should never have happened, and who incited it, and a lot more. On Thursday who's your at guest? 10. Who's your guest, uh, former, former FBI agent, Michael Tabman. He's been doing a ah. lot. If you look at Facebook, Michael, yeah, he's been my friend for forever. So he asked me to do it, and uh-huh. I'm going to do Great. it. Great. That's wonderful. Yeah, it is. And on well, February you know, 10th, um, I'm going to do, um, go do something on February 10th honoring men and women in blue. That's you great. That is wonderful. Yeah. You never yeah. know what I'm going to do. Neither do I. Well, I have, I have a, a writer friend. Um, you probably know mm-hmm. who he is, George Fong, who's a retired FBI agent. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his books. I think he's got a couple of books out. But he's a local um, writer, and he's retired from the FBI. So uh, I've done um, events with him, you know, uh, uh, panels with him and other writers. And uh, mm. people love to hear him talk about some of the Well, he should send me his work because I would like, you know, to branch out. The, the three yeah. that I'm doing on the 10th are, one is uh, DEA, CIA, um and two are detectives in two different states. So mm-hmm. now let's get. I love Evangel. Sorry. Well, who is Evangel? And why did she think her niece was not what she seemed? And Eunice. Oh my God. She fell prey to this cult. How did they? How did they convince her that it was the right thing to do? I've got word about Eunice. Well, Eunice is a lot more gullible. Evandra. Evandra is. Um, yeah. She's a tough cookie. You know, she's always been a rebel and been independent. And in the generation that she grew up in, women didn't have rights or a lot of independence. She was expected to marry the right person and yeah. uh, carry on. Uh, Eunice is, is a much more delicate creature, and she's gullible. And Dorothy has hired a Gudrun as a lady's companion to, you know, a companion nurse, uh, whatnot, to look after her aunts. And um, Gudrun actually works. Well, I, that's kind of a spoiler. I shouldn't talk about that. But it's Gudrun who has influenced Eunice. And Eunice uh, feels very uh, overlooked. You know, her dream is to keep bees. She really wants to keep bees, but her sister won't let her. And so Eunice is is ready to jump at anything that would give her her own life, you know, be able to make her own choices in life. And so I think that's why she um, she's she's been made a lot of promises have been made to Eunice, and um, she's hoping mm-hmm. for a better life. Poor Eunice. Yeah. yeah. Two questions yeah. in one. 
the clients don't come directly to Julia. She goes and has works with them with with Gail and Cheryl's store. And what happens when they leave Mystic Eye? And the police didn't take very much account of it. They didn't want to do anything, really investigate at all. They didn't take it very seriously. Well, uh, you know, in in real life, that's actually what happened because, um, um, I mean, some of the police at the time weren't particularly interested in Jim Jones, you know, in real life, and uh, other people belonged to his church. Um, frankly, I didn't pay much attention to it. You know, he he had a church in the Fillmore District called the People's Temple. I think a lot of people assumed that it was mostly African American, um, but it really wasn't. But <clears throat> he um, he did demand that uh, people turn over their their life mm. savings to him and completely um, give over control of their lives to him. That's that's scary because there are people like that even now that need to be led and feel afraid. I don't want to make a decision, so they'll make it for me. And how in the right mind do you give up everything? And once you're there, you're stuck. You can't leave. That makes it even even worse, yeah. Well, the thing in real life, it started, the the facade started to crumble when uh, a couple left the church and um, their daughter had been beaten and they wrote an expose. And that's when people started to question what was really going on there. But go ahead, I interrupted you. You had another question. That's okay. So Julia decides to join the fold. She's trying to learn more about Reverend Roy, Reverend Roy and his minions. Not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. Well, <laughs> she goes undercover and she goes to one yeah. of the um, one of the church uh, sessions or meetings or I don't know what you'd call it a revival. It's almost like a southern yeah. kind of revival thing, and she gets completely freaked out when she sees how uh, slavishly his congregation follows him, and the people that are completely devoted to him. And that that is a phenomenon that that I personally find horrifying. Yeah. So we have Julia, and we have Dorothy, and we have Richard. Just mm-hmm. why does Julia not trust him? He well, seems like a reputable character, but you don't really know. Well, you don't really know, and so he could be a red herring throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Julia Julia understands her client Dorothy, her friend Dorothy, and she understands that, that Dorothy can be very uh, rigid and stubborn. But she also knows that in the relationship, Richard with another person could be totally different. But Julia also understands that Richard's very controlling towards yeah. Dorothy. And Julia worries about that. So it, it she can't, Julia isn't, 100% supportive of this relationship, yeah. but it's not her place to say, you know, you should leave this person. But the problems between Dorothy and Richard became so intense that they did split up. They did separate for a time. And, um, you know, Julia's in the not very enviable position of having to uh, be a good friend to her client and give her the best advice she can without being judgmental or telling her exactly what she should do, or what Julia thinks she should do. And that's that's kind of a, a cross that Julia bears because she she has to um, 
honor her client's life choices and not be judgmental. See, I would be judgmental. I'm terrible. So, what was who is Gudrun, and why do we get the feeling that there's something hidden about her? Well, she's not a very likable character, and I hope I don't I, like her I, at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually years ago knew a woman named Gudrun who was a very very nice person, um, but I loved <laughs> the name. I loved the name, and I thought I'm I'm gonna you know name this character with that name. Um, uh, Gudrun uh, is is you get the feeling that she's sort of up to no good. She's lurking in the hallways yeah. and listening to phone conversations, and of course later we learn why. Um, you know, she's behaving like that because she has her own agenda. So there's lots okay, of people so. who could be red herrings here. <laughs> what about Alba? Why is she part mm-hmm. of the staff of Ev- Evangelist staff? Well, Alba's a very sweet woman, um, and she works uh, for the household. You know, it's it's a yeah. huge rambling house, and they need a maid and a housekeeper. You know, Dorothy can't do everything, and um, so the the work is sort of uh, parceled out between everyone. But Alba, um, Alba serves the purpose of giving Julia information about Luis, yeah. the gardener who who dies in the beginning. And uh, so, you know, Alba's a, a necessary character because she at least can give. Julia, some uh, unprejudiced background about the whole household. So, Julia, and I have the same problem. Who do you trust? You got to be careful. So, how does she decide who to trust? And what happens when Eunice is missing, and Julia has to go after her at the compound? That was brave. Yeah, well, Julia didn't have too many options, and and she's a very energetic character. I mean, she couldn't go home because uh, the Army of the Prophet was targeting her building, her apartment, and her landlady was threatening her with eviction. She was terrified she was going to lose her apartment. And uh, she couldn't stay at her grandmother's house. Her grandmother was on a cruise, and so she was stuck in the Telegraph Hill house. Um, but um, when Eunice disappears, I think Julia is is the one person who recognizes that that uh, Eunice is a very uh, vulnerable character, and she's pretty sure at that point that the Reverend Roy is up to no good, and um, she wants to do what she can. And what else can she do? But at least try to help Eunice. I don't think she realizes at the time the kind of trouble she's going to get into, but she does. <laughs> well, if she didn't get into trouble, it would be boring. You've got to have trouble. That's kind of everything perfect. We have to have flaws here. Yeah. So well, you know. The... That's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Raymond. what was Raymond Chandler's book titled, uh, Trouble is My Business? Uh, so that's the thing yeah. you have to remember as a mystery writer. You, you've got to. I mean, your bottom line is to keep people entertained, whatever kind of book you're writing. So, and the best way to do that is to keep creating conflict and trouble for your character. If you did, and I would be bored to tears and toss it on the side. Not good. And I've done that recently. <laughs> so, why yeah. does the sheriff talk with her, and why does he offer her any help? Um, I'm sorry. What was the first part of that question? 
Why does the sheriff talk with Julia? Oh, why does right. Why does he offer her help or any help? Finally. Well, I think he he likes Julia. I think he cares Uh-oh. about his town. I'm not in that way, but he's he's a kindly guy, um, and he's a small town sheriff. And you know, mostly he just wants to keep the peace, and he has no problem with uh, Prophet's Paradise. You know, the uh, the residence for elderly people. But he's not stupid either, so he realizes that this this organization employs people in his town. Um, they don't mm. cause any trouble, as far as he can see, and they grow their own vegetables and they're they're fine. So he's he isn't aware of some of the darker elements, but he's I think he starts to get suspicious um, when he uh, hears about. You remember the neighbors who. Um, took sheltered uh, the woman and her girl at one point in time. So the sheriff kind of has a question mark, but he, he doesn't want to cause trouble, but he doesn't want to keep his ear to the ground and know what's going on in his town. So Julia um, finds Eunice in the compound. Why does she risk her life for her? That was dangerous, let me tell you. I was holding my breath on that one. Well, I think she realizes Eunice is an elderly lady, and she's not that strong, and she shouldn't be in that kind of a place. And, of course, Julia meets the nurse in in the town, and she gets even more information. And I think at that point she feels she has no choice. Nobody else is going to help. The sheriff can't march in there. Um, They're... God only knows how they're abusing the people who were there. Are they drugging them? Yeah. Are they hurting them? Are they keeping them in unsafe conditions? And I think Julia realizes that if there's one thing she can do, it's to get Eunice the hell out of there. This is very true. You hold your breath until she does, or she doesn't. We're not going <laughs> to tell you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the final yeah. scenes are tense. How did you die? Is like having a nervous breakdown there. The third scene is attend. How did you create the final scenes where Reverend Roy and his minions are about to find out what happens when they mess with Julia? And let me tell you, people, you don't want to mess with Julia because she's not going to stop until she wins. Yeah, she's a determined Sagittarian. Um, that was yeah. a lot of fun to write. It was a lot of fun to write. Um, I kept upping the stakes with that. I think it takes probably a few chapters uh, you know, mm-hmm. Julia's uh, breaking into the compound and, and finally managing to escape. And um, that was a lot of fun to write. It was I a lot of fun to read, too. Good. It was scary good. to read, also, yeah. <laughs> I, I just was keep thinking, okay, what could go Eunice wrong was now? So, <laughs> Eunice was so brainwashed, I was afraid maybe she might decide to stay there and tell Dara, uh, Julia to go take a hike. So, well, what does Julia learn about herself as a result of all of this? A lot. She learns a lot about herself that's different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Julia, um, one of the reasons Julia became so involved in astrology was, was when her fiancé was killed in a hit-and-run accident. And um, it, it, she's still recovering. It's only been maybe two and a half years at that point in time, or two years, I think. And... Um, uh, Julia hopes to find some sort of order in the universe, if you will, 
by studying astrology or some understanding of why this happened to her life, why her her life plan went down the drain with Michael's death. And um, I, I think, you know, as in each book, this of course is the first one, but in each book she gets a little further along in that grieving process and also a little further along in learning what really happened to Michael. Yeah, that was bad. You won't really find out about till book number five. So I was going to ask that question. And I don't <laughs> okay. Know that Sorry, I so what, jumped what in. What did she learn? That's okay. What did she learn about friendship and loyalties? Because she's she's like me. You don't trust just anybody. You got to really be careful. And if somebody sticks a knife in me, I'm not going to let you stick it back again. I'm yeah. Gonna, you know, you're not going to like it. So, what did she learn about friendships and loyalties? Well, she learns that there there are people she can trust with her life, like her dear friends, and then other people that she thought were one way were not. You know, so really, essentially, I, I guess it's a book about betrayal and deceit. Yeah. And deceit and Dorothy. Yeah, it is. Um, Dorothy is just a person whose whose uh, head is is. Is, is screwed, you know, I'm screwed up. Yeah. Um, you know, Dorothy doesn't perceive herself as a bad person. She's just desperate. Well, she falls to the, that's the title, The Madness of Mercury, you said. She falls, into, yeah. she falls to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, Tilio, is she going to replace Michael in her life? Are you going to give her another... You know, it's it's funny because a lot of um, I have one um, blogger who I usually tour with with every book, and she's a big romance reader, and uh, she really wants Julia to have romances. And I've thought yeah. a lot about this. I think um, I I think Julia will have romances, but I think that Julia will probably stay a lone wolf because it allows her to uh, get more involved in murders mm. and new this books. And if Julia, if Julia hooks up permanently with someone in a serious relationship, live-in or marriage, um, it, there, there are you know, many partnership uh, books that work like that. Yeah. Uh, the Thin Man pops into my head. Um, but I think for Julia, I think she needs to be kind of a lone wolf and free to do her own thing. I agree with you. Unless Michael comes back and he's not dead, I don't think that's going to no. happen. No, that isn't. Yeah. Poor Julia. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you decide? This is a character in the series, and I've asked this of several other authors too. How do you decide the main line for for Julia or any character in the series? How do you decide? What the problem is going to be, and 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 the and the, and the, and the uh, main thrust of the storyline. How do you decide that, so that people want to read more about Julia? That it doesn't become like another Julia novel, just another plot. And oh my God, why am I reading it? How do you decide to keep her fresh? Well, I think, and that's always a problem. You know, that that's a legitimate problem. Um, you don't want to bore your readers. You you want them to follow Julia's life path, whatever that is. But I think if unless a reader can really connect with the main character emotionally, um, mm-hmm. I I think you 
you're not going to have a reading public. You're not going to have people that come back again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the people who does this wonderfully is um, Anne Cleves in the Vera books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with the Vera books. I just read, um, I think, the the most recent one a few months ago. And, I, and what brings you back is that you just find Vera totally fascinating. She's such a quirky, difficult character that you can't resist her. Yeah. So there has to be something in the protagonist that makes people want to go back and revisit that person. Because, of, you know, yeah, the I crimes know. are the crimes, and the puzzle is fine, and the murder is fine. But if if you don't really enjoy that main character, um, I don't think the books are as compelling. That's true. That's why I love John Land and his Caitlin Strong series, and Dick Belsky and his Claire Carlson series, and... Mm-hmm. Jim Nesmith and his series, and yeah, actually, we're going to talk about that on a panel show in April. And May, oh, great! Um, great, keeping keeping it fresh. And actually, how do they use their profession, which is basically you do, in your novel? So you're mm-hmm. incorporating the fact that you're into astrology in your novel, which makes it more credible for people to want to read, which is really good. So in every novel, you incorporate charts. So how do you decide if somebody gets a good one or a bad one? A good one or a good one or a bad one? What? Good chart or a bad chart? A happy one or a oh, bad one? Oh, good chart, bad chart. <laughs> well, somebody yeah. once asked me, "Do you do you do the astrology first and then work out the plot?" Uh, no, I don't. The, the plot is a plot, and then I make up the charts to fit the plot. So I ha- I do have to really do that because um, yeah. I these books have been reviewed in uh some of the astrology magazines. Uh if I make a mistake, uh someone will write to me and point it out like you know how um there was one scene where Julia Julia has a private clientele but she also uh likes to do the psychic fairs at the Mystic Eye mm-hmm. and do very quick brief readings and in one of the books I think Julia reads for this woman and I didn't specifically say, and this was my oversight, that, that the woman had her real birth time. And someone wrote to me and said, well, how could Julia know when her progressed moon was crossing her ascendant if the woman didn't have her birth time? And I realized, oh, I should have mm-hmm. made sure it was obvious that the woman had her birth time. So I, I have to be careful with that and make sure that I don't make any astrological mistakes. Well, that's true. Would you have to ask the person's birth date and a, lot, a certain information before you could do the chart, right? So you had to make up like um, a life or something about the person before they could before you could do the chart, because it has to be authentic, right? Right, right. Uh, like for example, there's a, I think it's book the second book, All Signs Point to Murder. There is a uh, a bad uh, character and. Uh, I needed a, a male somewhere in his 40s who had very difficult aspects to his sun sign. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, played with my program until I came up with the perfect birthday, something that would support that personality. Tell us more about Lewis. I felt bad that he died. Oh, yeah. Lewis. Yeah. Poor guy. I know. Um, and it was just a terrible accident, really. No one set out to murder him. I know. That's just really sad. I wanted to blame somebody so badly on something. Well, so we we know ultimately who it was. 
we won't say who it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm look. I have the book in front of me. Everything is in front of me all the time. And I want to know: are there any other characters besides um, Dorothy? Um, who is Dora? Uh, I'm sorry, Dora or Nora? Did you say Zora, 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 Zora? Oh, Zora! Oh, yeah, yeah. Zora is um, a regular at the Mystic Eye. Uh, she is a, a psychic and a medium, yeah, and she. Uh, yeah, she's a tough character too, um, yeah. but she comes in very handy. Uh, you know, when I started writing the series, I wasn't planning on the Mystic Eye being such a, a a center of action, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I realized after the first, when I finished this first book, Madness of Mercury, that it's a great device because there's this whole. Uh, population of occult workers, you know, psychics and mediums and um, astrologers and whatnot um, who can share information and interact with each other. So Zora comes in very handy, and you'll probably see her at some point in every book. She might be a minor character. Or she might take more mm-hmm. uh, more center stage, but she, she recurs, as does what? Nikolai. I like Nikolai too, but what about Cheryl and Gail? How did she team up with them? I love Cheryl and Gail. Oh really yeah, one of my those, favorite those characters. I love them, but they they get those. into her problem too. Uh, so uh, tell us about them and how they get involved. They almost got hurt this time too. Yeah, well, Gail's Gail's shop was targeted, um, and many yeah. of the people that that work through the shop were targeted as well by yeah. the. Uh, quote-unquote army of the prophet um just a frightening gang of thugs really uh and unfortunately you know gail running that shop she's she's gonna be front and center you know she's an absolute target of the reverend roy so there was no way she could avoid that and they were definitely trying to uh drive her out of business as well were they trying to drive her a friendship between her and, and um, Julia, too? Because some people um, would just say, I don't want to deal with you anymore. And just because you're my friend, you're getting me in trouble. I'm afraid I'm going to get killed. So they sort of stuck with her. How come? Well, um, Gail is in business. She's a businesswoman. She's not so much uh, into the occult arts as she's a businesswoman. Yeah. And she's not the kind of person uh, she she is a very determined woman and very strong and she is not certainly not going to be driven out of business by this crew um so it's i think she would still be totally devoted to julia she's a good friend um and it was because of gail that julia first became interested in astrology um after the third book in this series um I was getting ready to write the fourth book, and uh, a a woman had written to me, a few people had written to me, and they said that they they wanted to know more about Julia's grandmother. They wanted to see more of Gloria, and uh, they wanted to know how Julia first became interested in astrology. And also someone else wrote and said they wanted to know how she found her cat. So I was sitting there mulling over the next plot, and I thought, you know... And I decided to write a novella. I had never written a novella before and that addressed all these questions. So after the third book, uh, the next one to come out probably mid-2021 
will be the novella that is set before the whole series begins. And it, it addresses all those questions, how Julia first met Gail. Uh, it features her grandmother as kind of in the center of the crime and uh, also how she found her cat. So that was really, I never, had never written a novella, and that was kind of fun to do. Oh, I was hoping you would put in how she met Michael so we can get to meet him a little bit more too. That would be well, you get a little you get a little bit of that in the novella because oh, it's it, it's set before this first adventure, The Madness of Mercury, and Julia Michael has just very recently died, and so there's a lot of talk about Michael between Julia and and Gloria. And am I going to get that to read? Oh, yes, as soon as it's out. Yeah, that one that my new publisher wants to uh, release that as an ebook only um, because it's a novella. But I'm That's hoping to be help able to. I, I need print people. I, can, oh, actually I can, can't read on my computer. Really? I can send you a, a manuscript, a hard hard copy of the manuscript if you like. Oh, I don't care. That's fine. Time. I'll let you know. Do I have your email? I think I have your email, Fran, don't I? You should, otherwise Cheryl will give it to you. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Okay. Because I, I, I literally my eyes start to bother me and I if I had to if I don't have a hard copy and I can't write in the book and circle whatever. Now mm-hmm. I know that this book I have to make a phone call after this. One of the girls in one of my medical offices said that she's into astrology, she wants to read this. So if I don't oh, give it to her, she won't give so how do you think I get appointments in five minutes? I bring books. <laughs> That's I mean, great. I, I, it's I, really I, great. It's, it's, it's scary. I get very popular, very, very nice, whatever. That's lovely. So, That's lovely. So are you going to include in the next regular Julia book, which planets are you going to talk about in the next one? Are you going to do another tour with Cheryl? Because she wants you to. She's right on the air. She's listening. Oh, okay. Um, I just finished the Partners in Crime. I, I started these tours in, like, October, and then Cheryl's. Cheryl was December, um, and I can't. I think I'll probably do one for the third book, only because of time oh, constraints. Um, so the next one, which is now out, is All Signs Point to Murder. Originally, I wanted to use the name of a planet in every single book. Yeah. Um, but the first publisher that I had, the one that closed its doors, Midnight Inc., didn't like that. Mm. They didn't like uh, my title for the second book. So they stuck me with the title of All Signs Point to Murder, which is fine. You know, it's okay. Yeah, I did that one. I think I originally had called it Dark Sun because yeah. of the chart of the murderer. Um, and uh, so certain it won't be so focused on a particular planet like the first one um mm-hmm. but um the third one i think i originally titled it widow's moon um but every single julia will get her clues via astrology so i have to somehow work that in so julia finally has a light bulb goes off in her brain. She has an epiphany, and she goes, oh, my God, that's what it is. Why didn't I see it before kind of thing? Well, before I forget, it's in my hand here. Thursday, Michael Tabman and I are taking on the Capitol riots. On Mm -hmm. the 21st, author Robert Bates. On the 27th, the author of Winter Witness. 
on February first. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm doing three that week. Uh, the author of uh, the Avalon Gates of Avalon. On the uh-huh. third, uh, the Blues No No by Paul Marx. And on the fourth, this is a big one. Iris and Roy Johansson. Blink oh of an wow! Eye. Well, Paul yeah, Marx. Iris, uh, Iris is very very. She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But don't go certain questions. I sent her the questions, and she highlighted the ones she's going to answer. <laughs> and you don't ask black questions. She liked my questions, but she said that she found 10 that she liked, and she'll do a summary. And then we'll just talk about the other two books. This is called Blink of an Eye. And if you haven't read Chaos and Persuasion and all her books, they, they're, they're all different. She's a trip and mm-hmm. a half. And on the 10th, I'm doing... Um, Honoring Men in Blue Blue, and on the 8th, I am doing another one of Cheryl's books, and I am excited mm-hmm. because Great. my I just I just booked the last show for May. Mm-hmm. Wow, Every, wow. Everybody, yeah, and I am really, triply excited that on February 24th, I'm going to interview um, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child, the Scorpions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm supposed to this Wednesday. There's a question mark. That's why I'm not sure. James Gopando, 20. He's supposed mm-hmm. to do a half an hour. I didn't get a confirmation, so I'm not sure. But I'm just going to say it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've done a, we've done a whole lot of. of it, it gets interesting, and because of this pandemic, it does keep my mind. I did one. If no one listened on um, Monday, you should listen to Dennis Palumbo. Oh yes, I know Dennis. Fear. I, he mm-hmm. told me to tell you hello, by the way. He said you're one of his favorite authors, by the way. He did say that. Oh, I did how tell him nice. I was yes, he, he has a yeah. lot of respect for what you're doing. He thinks you're wonderful. He said that, for real. Oh. And um, we talked about fear, isolation, stress, depression, and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I did oh, that yeah. for me. Dennis is amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, and lovely you know, man. He was here. He's lovely every he's time, and I told him it's about time he writes another Dennis Daniel Rinaldi book because it's getting on my nerves that I can't write anymore. They didn't write anything, so yeah. Well, it takes months. Uh, yeah. Well, it took me forever to write what I wrote, and I don't even know if anybody's going to like it. But we'll see. Who knows? Good um, luck. Good luck with that. I'm going to need some. Actually, there's a publishing company called John Hunt, um, and they're in England, and the publishers that I review for Who Loves Me was the one that suggested one of their branches to uh, put send the book to and say that he told me to send it. So mm, I'm hoping great. that when I'm hoping that I don't you know I cross my fingers but whatever and I'm gonna wait till two famous people really famous people read it to tell me if I should change something you know bury it or not do it at all. But mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Okay. How'd you like yeah. a how'd you like a world with no sun? <laughs> Seriously. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's, 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 it's different. So, what, Julia, if she were going to speak out to the audience, what would she say about herself? What would she say about getting your chart done? Well, I think Julia, um, Julia's a very decent person. You know, she's very honest and, and forthright about herself, but she's also very, I think, self deprecating. She's not yeah. one to toot her own horn or brag about herself. Um, I think she sees herself working in the healing arts, which is what she loves. She certainly never planned to do that. And 
um, what's the famous John Lennon song, Life is What Happens When You're Planning Other Things. Um, Julia thought she would teach when she was engaged to Michael. They both planned on a teaching career, and never Mm -hmm. in a million years would she think that she would be running her own business with her private clientele and um, writing astrology books. She has one book out um, on love triangles that's referenced in some some of the Zodiac mysteries. Um, So Julia's life just took a complete turn, um, which happens to people. You know, I'm sure whether in your own life or someone else, something happens that just... Mm -hmm you do a, a 180 or a 90 degree turn and just mm-hmm. start another path and that's what happened to Julia so i don't i don't know that she would i think she would define herself as a very honest forthright um loving person no, i agree with you you know my niece whose birthday is tomorrow they're turning 20 was a rebel in mm-hmm. high school and it really wasn't her fault cuz basically mm-hmm. There was a, a, a lot of differences between the teachers and her. And she's a good kid. She's not disrespectful or rude. But mm-hmm. we had to take care of it. And she went to an alternative school and graduated. With, mm-hmm. And she graduated with an over with an over 3-point-something index from an index, that, a GPA that was minus nothing. So she really changed around. And now that she's in music, she said to me, do I have to go to college? I said, you have to follow what you want to do in your own path. And if it works out, fine. And if it doesn't, then we'll talk after. So mm-hmm. she's doing something that if my sister were alive, she'd be jumping up and down. So you're right. Sometimes you have to just know what's right for you and give yourself yeah. a chance to find out and don't close it off. So in this novel, does Dorothy, do Dorothy, Eunice, and Evangel learn something about themselves to change how they are? Well, I think Evandra, uh, Evandra was finally justified in in her suspicions but i think evandra started to view her sister eunice in a different light and realized that you know eunice needs something to do eunice eunice wasn't strong enough to buck their father uh to set off on an independent course and um eunice has talents and she's a lovely elderly lady in fact a, a friend of mine when uh these books first came out he loved the two little old ladies so much that he wanted them to have their own series <laughs> you yeah. know that's kind of that's kind of fun like but actually that's not a bad idea they could perhaps reappear in one of the next books um but at that point in time i couldn't even consider getting my head around writing a totally different series i um, I, I have another series that I've written, the Soup Lovers Mysteries. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know about those, but uh, I really admire people that can keep four or five different series going, you know, through the years. I I, I would have trouble remembering my characters' names, to tell you the truth. Well, I'll tell you something. I, I, I have the Faces Behind the Stone series, and all the characters are dead and they're different. They have done mm-hmm. something wrong to belong there, or somebody put mm-hmm. them there. And I told about it. Yeah, I, may, I my sister died ten years ago, and I went to the uh, unveiling because I was running the entire service. Yeah. And I looked at the stone and I said to her, "If you could tell me what really happened the day you had a heart attack, because there's a question mark, what would you say?" Then I walked around to the other stones and I said, "Mr. So and So, why are you here?" And then I said, "Wouldn't it be cool to write a book about what mm. people think?" And somewhere in yeah. there is a made-up story about how I did. And then I have my YA series, 
my birther and Tilly series, which is I'm birthed the, the oversized, overweight child, not anymore. And my sister was the, was a brilliant genius who did a lot of things. So was our antics in the South Bronx. And I have enough problems writing <laughs> a book review sometimes. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I try to when I write. It's hard to write a book review because you want to not give away anything, which I usually don't. Exactly. And, yeah, and I won't yeah. write a negative book review because there's enough negativity in the world today. I don't need to add to it. Not me. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's hard. So who are you going to bring back in the next in the next Julia book? You have about well, five um, the next one to come out is is Tale of the Dragon, which is actually oh, nice. an astrological reference. Um, and in that one, um, that's the one where I kill a lot of lawyers. Oh, good. <laughs> That like Henry, so, you have was no it Henry the Sixth? <laughs> <laughs> just made my day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Julia goes undercover at a law firm in San Francisco as a as a favor to her client and friend, uh, who begs her to help him. He says, "Please come in, fill in for my secretary for a week, because three attorneys in my office have received death threats." So that is uh, that's the third one, Tale of the Dragon. That sounds so interesting. So where can we find out more about you and your work? Um, up there on my website, it's ConnieDemarco.com, and that's Demarco with a D-I. Um, pretty easy to find, and uh, I'm on Facebook with a personal page and an author page, and uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Ask Zodia, and Ask Zodia is is the column that Julia writes in the newspaper, her astrological advice column. Well, how did you create that? How did you create um, that column? It's so authentic. I mean, I, I, lo- I would love to read more. Yeah, well, there's a few letters, you know, of course, made up letters on my website. There's a, a button for Ask Zodia where people write to her and she responds. Um, so I just, um, what whatever pops into my head, you know, it could be a letter from a teenager concerned about her mother's boyfriend, or it could be a retiree who doesn't know what to do with themselves once they're pushed out of their job. Um, it could be anything, just whatever pops into my head. Did you ever, did you ever get one from an astrologer that wanted to know your help because he messed up somebody's charts? Um, that's an interesting idea. That's very interesting. I did have the thought that maybe Julia could have a rival, an astrologer that wants yeah. to put her out of business. Um, that would be kind of a fun concept, too. But mostly I just, um, when I was writing the Soup Lovers Mysteries, I only had about uh, eight months to turn in each manuscript. Um, so after the first and second and third book, I, I started like thinking, well, where am I going to get the next plot from? And I discovered that the uh, true crime on the Internet was, was a great reference source for plots and um, started to, uh, um, I think it's the fourth book in that series, A Rue of mm. Revenge. And I read, a, I, I was scrolling around and surfing the Internet, and I saw an article where the um, Royal Canadian Mounties had stopped uh, Eleven Romanian gypsies at the U.S. border and arrested them. Oh wow! 
and my ears went up. I thought, what a weird story. So I, I started to read it, and that, that triggered that triggered the plot for A Rue of Revenge, which was that, that, really that, a fun that book is, to That write. is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, I would love to see Julia have a rival, but I don't want to see Julia. I want Julia to cremate the rival, that's for sure. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So before, before we end, I end every show like this. You know, with what's going on in the world today, I truly hope people wise up. But if you're not sure how to wise up, read my book, What If. What if you lived in one of my worlds that I created with these characters who I made up? What would you do? Their last two stories, um, Confinement and Journey to Nowhere, sort of says it all. And um, I did take the story, Journey to Nowhere, and rewrite it for my next book, which I won't say anything about. But before I end, I always say the following. Just one small ask. Be smart. Protect you and protect me. Don't go outside without wearing a mask. Trust me. I, I, it, it's debilitating to a point because sometimes you just kind of feel yogi when you wear it. And my mm-hmm. glasses fog up, so you have to be careful. But it's the smartest thing you could do. And those people that walk outside and go to these you know, rallies and too many people in, uh, together, you're the mm-hmm. ones that are spreading, spreading the virus because this virus is going to win, and we don't want it to. We want it to die and leave. So thank you so much. Connie, do you do panels? Ever? Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, since the virus, the pandemic, it's, you know, there are no personal events, but, yeah, I do them whenever I can. Okay, because I set them up whenever I can. But thank okay. you so much. This thank you, Fran. Every. Anytime. And make sure I get the novella somehow and I'll okay. get the next one when it comes out. Everybody okay. have a great day. <laughs> Stay safe and bye. Bye, friend.